1: hello chris what's up how are you
0: i'm great jason we're back in la how long gone live experience is over with uh we landed at lax yesterday i was in the gym with hunter this morning i had my smoothie i'm feeling back baby
1: are you that's great how do you feel i'm not i'm not feeling back just quite i'm not quite 100 percent.
0: i'm not surprised (laughs) it takes you a little longer thanks to the friendship of 818
1: we didn't get that much you you don't sound so great though i gotta say what do you mean a little you got a little gristle in your voice you know the voice is your. It's the instrument that you need. We have a musician, musician related <laughs> guest today. So, are you saying I just want I want him to not be uh, like, yeah. Who's this guy. He's not taking care of his trauma. Are you
0: saying this is a this is kind of an audition for me, just because he's adjacent to music?
1: No, just that he's got a he's got a keen eye for this type of stuff. Sure. Compared to some other guests, sure. And I just don't want you to, frankly, make a fool of yourself. That's all.
0: That's because. We're doing this a little earlier than usual. I haven't had my gallon yet, so I think maybe my voice is just a little scratchier because I haven't, you know, I, yesterday on the plane, I wasn't able to, you know, ingest as much water as possible.
1: That's too bad. Well, I filled up my how long gone now, Gene, at many of the great water-filling boy stations across, the, <laughs> across our, all of our fine TSA-regulated mm-hmm. feeding stations, yeah. and I was able to really Guzzle down a lot of water and speaking of nalgene's everyone who ordered a nalgene from us we we apologize for the supply chain issues but we are hearing word that people uh, people on the west or on the east coast who ordered yeah, that yeah. are starting to now finally receive them we are very sorry about that we won't be working with that company anymore moving forward so there shouldn't be an issue
0: covid and supply chain issues whole foods is out of fresh squeezed orange juice they said they're blaming covid really they're blaming covid you can't blame covid anymore guys it's over you, you can't do that you can't blame covid for gene shipping late you can't blame covid for not having fresh squeezed orange juice my god that that's
1: well what what can we blame Cause, i mean the, i guess the difference is like we we have a new like fulfillment printing distribution company here in downtown la And they work great. And it's like, we want to make this many shirts and this many hoodies and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, cool, here it is. They're done. And then you go to the shipping warehouse and there's a bunch of really cool, nice people working in there, happy to load boxes of clothes and and all that stuff. I'm like, why why do these guys Mm -hmm. have no problem finding people who are willing to do work for money, but you can't?
0: Fortunately for you and I, COVID did not strike the Sweet Rare community the way it did some of the other communities that we're a part of.
1: So the Nalgene, is it just because the people that make Nalgene's are just more cucked? Is that what it is?
0: Is what it sounds like to me.
1: Okay, so if we, okay, maybe moving forward, we'll get a nice, uh, how long gone, Yeti? And then the supply chain the Republican <laughs> supply chain is moving along Yikes. a lot quicker.
0: Yeah, there's no there's no shortage of black rifle coffee, Yeti's. I'm sure ammunition is getting made and shipped at a at an unbelievable clip, no pun intended. We had-
1: <laughs> <laughs> we got no got no problem finding a bunch of white brothers to haul all this black rifle around, <laughs> exactly. ironically. Exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly. I mean, no, but I, I'm honestly, it's like the excuses are fucking insane.
1: Rifles are the only black things those guys like over there, aren't
0: they? I, I just can't deal with the excuse. I mean, yesterday also, I mean, I just got to say, I my body was feeling unfortunately um your favorite podcasters were in middle seats yesterday on our flight from <laughs> Minneapolis, <laughs> Minneapolis to Los Angeles, and I, I had to I was sitting next to two big boys. And and Comfort Plus didn't save me this time, Jason. Not from Outcast. No, 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 not Outcast Big Boy. Just two chubby cats. Not
1: from big boy in the morning.
0: No, not <laughs> no, well, he, well, well, he's skinny now. So no big
1: boy. But you could still see it in his jowls.
0: These guys sit down, both of their shoulders. If
1: you're a skinny guy who still has jowls, yeah. your ass got the little surgery. We
0: know, we know you got the band.
1: It's gonna cost more more than more than a few bands to get those jowls out of here. So
0: these guys sit down, their shoulders are obviously creeping into my area, and mm-hmm. you know, one guy sits down, he's got the stinky bag of Chick-fil-A, he pops that open, slovenly eats it, then Nasty. then goes straight after drinking a full Pepsi. He goes straight to sleep and is sawing logs, like audibly sawing logs.
1: How jealous are you of the way he must be feeling and sleeping though? Uh, did that did that come into play? No, or was it bro. A, or I was looking disgusting. Disgust? His
0: nasty ass was wearing fucking Dick Sporting Goods level Adidas and like looking <laughs> chubby and gross and like had Chick-fil mm-hmm. had pickle crumbs on his chest. You know what I mean? While he was sleeping, and I so unfortunately pickle for me, I had to I had to basically kind of like. I was leaning forward for three and a half hours basically. And could not get mm-hmm, could not mm-hmm. get any sort of comfort. It was it
1: was so you know, you heard of like Chinese water torture, this is like Delta mm-hmm. comfort torture
0: i was just stuck in that trash position for three hours and then i (laughs) i'm in
1: a trash position right now and i
0: read i read i I couldn't even and also because i was in the front row of comfort plus it had the the tvs that come out of the you know what i mean that flip up which i fucking hate oh yeah and (laughs) so i just i just read my book the entire time sell out by dan ozzy which is getting even better i I couldn't believe believe some of the cool info i learned about some of my favorite bands you know so
1: sounds boring as hell i'm sure we'll get him on the pod to talk about it though and see what going on with Thursday.
0: Well, it was pretty... I mean, Thursday's weird because that's a band that I never, ever had any interest in, but I had no idea the amount of money they got to get bought out of Victory. Like, like, like they had to spend like... Wait, this information is in a book? This major label had to spend like two million to get Thursday off, off Victory. Shout out to my man, Victory.
1: Yeah, so... But it was sort of... I, I guess it was a little bitter, bittersweet juxtaposition, which ironically is Thursday's second studio album. <laughs> <But> there was... <laughs> No, that's that's a little that's a little more incubus. I've never listened to a Thursday song, so I, I can't really. It's probably something much more melodramatic than that. But the uh, juxtap- juxtaposition of going in a delta branded Porsche cayenne, Porsche cayenne, yeah. from one gate to another, so we don't miss our diamond status, yeah, layover. um that was like, oh, i I feel like Princess Diana right now. And then immediately, Go into your your big ass sitting next to two even bigger asses <laughs> in the middle seat. No, that- no but then when I, I sat down, see the problem is you got to make these stewardesses, flight attendants, stewards work for you. It's kind of like crypto, you know what I mean? Let your money work for you, not the other way around. So what I do is I sit down and I notice that the because I'm in a middle seat too, but I'm um, luckily I'm bookended between a, a very small petite Canadian woman who's remarkably polite. So you know, she had she had nothing but love to give me and my elbows. And I hope
0: her thirty-five-hour journey to Peru to visit her daughter, who she hates, uh, is going is going well. And I hope she she doesn't
1: hate her daughter in Peru. She hates that Peruvian man who's taken her away from her mother motherland. I I, I
0: told you, I told you, I told you about that Peruvian dick. But that's a whole other podcast. Go ahead, Jason.
1: There are slippery people. I won't be. I won't mince my words. So, so that's going on. And I, but I noticed that the headrest on my, on my seat is a little janky it's a little wobbly and there's and i'm like you know i can i could make something out of this situation so
0: yeah you're you karen is basically what you're saying no, you're, no, 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 su- no. you're suggesting that people karen on airplanes
1: i did not karen i didn't what am i going to do tell on who am i telling on
0: you complained about something that doesn't really matter in order to benefit yourself
1: yeah but this is a victimless crime a, a person of color didn't get jailed because of my actions that's true the only thing that happened was a nice woman who works at delta is like Oh yeah, your headrest actually is fucked up. I could see how that'd be annoying. I can call the maintenance guy, but we're not gonna like delay this flight because of your headrest being broken. I'm like, of course not, of course not. You know, don't even worry about it. I'll tough it out. I'm a I'm a Delta Trooper, and you, and they're like, you know what? That's
0: the that's your sta- That's your Delta status. I'm Diamond. <laughs> I'm Diamond. You're Delta Trooper.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm part of the intern program over at Delta. I'm a Delta Trooper. I fly. I'm, and the you have a lot of benefits. You get the Porsche. You get up upgraded to first class, but for me as a Delta a little trooper, I get to fly all by myself um, one time a year, and it's fucking so fun. I get to watch whatever movie I want, uh, and uh, so so that turned into me. Now I have she dumped five thousand miles into my account on the F pack. I got she gave me three bottles of wine. It was. You know, it was a little different than your flying experience. I
0: thought the F pack was something you took when you were sick to kind of knock that out of you. Is that
1: that's what I thought? She was like, "We'll do, we'll, you know, because you've been on a flight before. I'm sure our listeners can relate. Where you, where something goes down, I'm going to give you a little. Little sugar to to make that pill go. They down give you a, they give
0: you a coupon for a free canned margarita. It's really nice. It's really it's really luxurious stuff.
1: Now you're gonna watch out with these the, the canned margarita. It's little, but it'll pack a punch. I had somebody on my flight yesterday assault me. So <laughs> keep an eye on those little margaritas. Somebody threw. Shout out to <laughs> On the Rocks. Those guys make some great cocktails. Not as a free ad.
0: But I um I so I wasn't feeling my best when I when I deplaned, but it was so great to smell that fresh Los Angeles air after being in the the mining town of chicago illinois
1: literally the least fresh air probably in the country but
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah it sure It didn't matter because it was sunny out terrible pollution sun- we
1: chris and i both have cancers that we're unaware of, oh
0: yeah that's of that's fine here. i'm ready to die after this tour it doesn't matter nothing matters anymore <clears throat> uh but no thank you for everyone to come to the tour but but chicago was interesting because you know we have a lot of friends there shout out to benjamin egger shout out to Trigger Trey, shout out to our boy Augie who kind of helps up the after party at Blind Barber. Um, we appreciate all all of you, and you know who else we appreciate? Jason is the promoter at Shubas who, um, after our sold out show, um, texted Jason, texted him from the other room saying, "Hey, like, I, 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 can you go settle up your bar tab? We need to, you need to put a card down." For a fourteen dollar check of two beers, when we had just performed, where do you think we're fucking going?
1: Friend of friend of the show Wyatt Williams, a fan favorite guest, he, <laughs> he ran into me, but I was like, you know what, tour's done. I, you know, I've never met him before. I, I'm sick of drinking, you know, tequila and ice. You know, I want to just kick my heels up with my bro, mm-hmm. have a cold, have a cold lager. And they're like, Oh yeah, do you and like they made me pay for it, they made me put a card down, it was like pulling teeth and she wouldn't let me they wouldn't give us our check for selling out this venue for whatever, thousands of dollars until I cleared cleared my debts of two two draft beers. And then every other venue we go to, we're like, Can we get like three more balls of tequila? And they're like, Yeah, man, we got it. <laughs>
0: whatever you want. But no, so I, I was that was shocking to me because it's also like We have to, I have to see you before I leave to get paid. So there's no way Mm -hmm. that this tab is not (laughs) going to get taken care of. We're not going to walk out on $14, you cheap fuck.
1: You've got what we call that a, we call that a checkmate in the promoter world. We got it, we got a dime holding up a dollar.
0: Exactly, exactly. I love when you use your little turns of phrase. So then I'm, I'm like, people are telling me, people that we've given VIP laminates to, a few friends of the show that are in town are saying, hey, they won't let us come back to the green room. So I'm like, uh, okay, well, let me go upstairs and figure this out. So I go upstairs and they're like, yeah, we just don't know if the green room is like the best place for like everyone to congregate. And I I was like, what the fuck is a green? That's all a green room is for. That's all it's for is for a place for the talent that is performing that night and their friends to hang out. So they don't have to talk to fans. Mm -hmm. That's the whole fucking point of the green room. It's the (laughs) only reason it exists.
1: Yeah. It's like Santa Claus being like, I don't know if Christmas is the best day to pass out. Yeah. It's just, I was just
0: like, okay, well, what's the, what what do you suggest? Is there like another place where she goes? Like, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's a lot of people. And I'm like, bro, it's 10 people. And, I'm not. He's like, yeah, but it's like downstairs. I'm like, it's not my fault that you put the green room in your new restaurant that feels like a fucking hotel lobby in Tacoma. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to fucking tell you, bro.
1: Nothing wrong with Tacoma.
0: But Nothing shout out bad, to bro. honestly, but the the best part about Chicago, well not the best part, but but the best part is the Ralph Lauren restaurant. That's the only reason to go to Chicago. But uh mm-hmm. Julia Steiner from the Rat Boys played. She was great. Check out the Rat Boys if you're not familiar. Yeah, if you're not boy. familiar.
1: Yeah, she was great. And and all the all the musical acts that we had the pleasure of sharing the stage with, you know, uh, doing a comedy podcast live, you know, we did not, we definitely did not have to book any musical guests, but it was something that, that we believe in to, you know, do a little cool vibe, support local music after the last couple of years where nobody's been able mm-hmm. to play shows and all that stuff. So thank you to all of our people who came out to watch us and stick around to watch the bands and, and everything. That was really cool of you. Hopefully you all liked it. And um, I guess we should get on to our guest today. We have Steve Hyden. Steven or Steve? We'll call you know we'll probably
0: call him Steve because we're kind of casual guys. But you you probably know him as a music critic uh, and an author. Um, he wrote a great book about um, rivalries in pop music called "Your Favorite Band Is Killing Me," which obviously features uh, Blur and Oasis, which is the only one I care about. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also, unfortunately for me, wrote a book called "This Isn't Happening." about uh Radiohead's kid a
1: great great little album
0: a record that jason has both masturbated and cried to
1: dude how did you know that that was literally in my joke or that was in my notes
0: we really fucking do this we really fucking do this but steve is also um he is the editor uh of music at up rocks uh cultural critic um and he also has a podcast mm-hmm. so you know we're talking we're talking to a pro uh but he just interviewed lindsey buckingham which i i I always wonder, like, what do you talk to these guys about? This guy's 72 years old. He's done so much coke that his nose doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. He's answered every question on earth. Like, you know, what do you, what do you do? But yeah, he had. He talks about the new Snail album, Idols, friend of the show, produced by Kenny Beats. So he's he's really in the he's really in the fucking mix. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he also lives in Minnesota, which is a choice that is shocking to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Frankly, I'm I'm surprised we haven't spoken with him earlier. We have a lot of things in common.
0: Well, it's interesting because I did email him when the Radiohead book came out, and he did not respond. And then um, mm. after our New York Times story come out, all of a sudden Steve is hitting me back. So it's interesting. It's interesting how that works. Po- it's interesting how that works. The power, the power of press, the power of media is. is really powerful and um I, you well, know
1: it sounds like we're, we're gonna have to really drag steve through the mud today make him atone for his sins
0: yeah i would i would love to to talk to him about johnny greenwood's programming for you know 45 minutes or something if you if you're dead
1: and ut and ut all right let's give steven a jingle and also really quick guys we have a few more hoodies left if you want to buy some Howlonggone.com is where you can get it going. So go cop those up as it's starting to get a little chillier in your area. And we'll ship anywhere in the world except for Mother Russia. Bye bye.
0: How long gone is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason.
1: BetterHelp, you know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent. So for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions we we're spent off obviously off clock going through you know hotels ferries <laughs> car rentals restaurant recommendations it's as if i have two wives i have two wives inside of me and uh yeah,
0: sure sure yeah
1: so uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists you get one that you really like You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit-chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from.
0: I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, dot com slash howlong. Nice. How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health,
1: r-a-f-o-l i got R A F on the nut.com promo code how long that's neutrophil.com promo code how long hey chris it's tim time let's get into some timberland talk how are you
0: i'm great man i was just i was just looking here uh the timberland green stride sole on these boots they sent me it's made from 75 percent renewable sugarcane and natural rubber uh, which which does the job of combining eco consciousness and comfort?
1: Okay, that's a that's a very good amount. That's almost that's that's almost one hundred percent. So all that natural rubber, all that sugarcane, that's everything that's renewable. That's going to do a good job as part of Timberland's commitment to make sure their their products are sustainable for a more greener world uh, with the goal of having a net positive impact on the environment by 2030 that's positive that's better than neutral and much better than negative of course
0: of course but I, I would we'd be remiss not to discuss the the eco-conscious materials that we've we've laid out for you uh also you know they look cool they're rugged lightweight and durable you can go shop the men's and women's green stride collection on timberland.com we only like talking to fellow elite podcasters so it's nice you have a microphone, you have headphones, you have a brain, you know what I mean? This is that's all it re-
1: cuz some yeah, sometimes we'll we'll hop on a Zoom with a guest and they'll just be like, "Oh, do I need my phone for this? Do I need my computer?" and like, "How are you on Zoom right now?" and they're like, "Can you put headphones in?" And they're like, "Oh, I don't have head like some people are just a full mess and I, I feel like they might be hamming it up a little bit to be like I'm like Luddite kink, but <laughs>
0: Can you can, can you can you imagine not having headphones readily available in 2021? That just doesn't seem plausible. That doesn't seem plausible.
1: Cuz for us, Stephen, music is life. But sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say hopefully the future
2: generations will be learning about podcasting in in grade school, middle school, high school. <laughs> so they'll be trained in this. We can train future generations to produce podcasts to improve the economy.
1: Dude, maybe maybe that'll be my the kind of my sunset chapter in my life. I'll be I'll become a, a podcast Instructor at L.A. Trade Tech Community <laughs> College. Yeah, I think so.
2: I Because we got to put these kids to work. I mean, this we don't have
1: uh, you know industries anymore in this
2: country, but we do have podcasts. Stephen,
1: you and I can't podcast forever. We have to start planting some seeds for our future.
2: That's true. And I have kids. I'm teaching them how to podcast. I can hand down my podcast to them, and they can run it as a family
0: business.
1: (laughs)
2: This is a
0: great idea. Dude,
1: has that ever happened in the history of podcasting yet, where you bestow (laughs) in your will? Like, like is Joe Rogan's (laughs) shitty 24-year-old daughter going (laughs) to suddenly become the host of Joe Rogan Podcast and be like, oh, hey, guys. Like, my former boss
2: uh bill simmons who was an innovator in in the podcasting space i think his kids now have shows so so maybe he's setting the tone for that
0: he handed down the hbo show that aired for two episodes to his daughter
1: (laughs) (laughs) daddy i want an hbo show and he's like no you don't we're gonna get you a podcast first we'll see
2: good for him man if i had the means i would be you know taking my kids out of school i'd be handing them podcasts i'd be like you're not gonna learn anything in school You got to learn it on the podcasting streets.
1: You know, you got to start young.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Some people will be like, you know, you can't touch this. You know, the savings bond until your 18th birthday or, you know, you get your bar mitzvah money whatever. Now it's like, I'm going to, we're going to go down and we're going to set you up with a Patreon account early <laughs> just so we can get that out of the way and we'll start working towards your future.
0: When you're eight, when you're 18, my lawyer will give hand over the passwords and login <laughs> information for your anchor.fm account. Mm-hmm. Now Jason's going to have kids because he finally has a purpose.
1: I'm thinking about procreating this So Steve, you said you got, you got two kids. Is that what he got? I have two kids, yeah. One's nine and one's one just turned five. Okay, so when you are a, a music critic and author, you can afford to have kids if you live in Minneapolis? Is that what's going on? Yeah, I think so. Because that doesn't work here in LA.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I've been working in media now for 21 years, and I've worked at all types. Of, I've worked at a daily newspaper. I've worked at all weeklies, websites.
1: Grantlands, AV clubs, you name it. Exactly. The
2: Post Crescent in Appleton, Wisconsin. That was my first job.
1: I hated that newspaper.
2: Sorry,
0: it's a personal <laughs> well, what was the beat at that Republican newspaper? What well, were you <laughs>
2: Well, the reason why it was a great first job is that when you work at a, at a small paper like that, you do a little bit of everything. I was, I was covering tractor pulls i was covering like, boy, <laughs> boy choir concerts i was you know i'm i'd have to work on Saturdays. Hey,
1: steve the shitter's clogged can you come out here again <laughs>
2: exactly you got and you you have to learn to be a, a jack of all trades i also i wrote a column there called under 30 mm-hmm. where it was like a young person's opinion on issues. This is
1: before <laughs> Forbes stole it from you. <laughs> well, I think with, I'm sure there's still a lawsuit pending. You can't really speak on it. Well,
2: I think with Forbes the idea is that they're talking about exceptional people under thirty, and I was not exceptional. Okay. I was like an like a like an average person just pontificating on you know okay. uh the Bush administration or something.
1: Just a regular
2: punter off the street. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the an average uh no nothing. Uh, in small town Wisconsin, uh, but uh, but any, cool. I forgot like where I was going with this.
1: No, I think I was saying like uh, I think You're talking I'm, about why you got them kids, Stephen.
2: <laughs> I think part of uh, what's helped me out is that I didn't live in a big coastal city like new york or la i could actually mm-hmm. live in a place where i could put down some roots and my money went farther sure here than it would in a city especially in the leaner years of uh, music <laughs> writing
3: i think i've uh-huh. come
2: out of that but we'll see you know uh, I, I could be returning
1: okay so you wouldn't you wouldn't over the entire course of your career now would not be considered a leaner time no i think so I'm, that's good i guess
2: i think i'm doing all right i mean it's weird to be a music critic when I'm I'm 44 years old. I I feel like that is mm-hmm. I mean Tom Brady is a 44-year-old quarterback. It's similar in music writing. It's 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 hard to be old as a music I writer. like that.
0: I like you comparing yourself to Tom Brady. This is good. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. I like this. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> only in that one yeah. respect. Only in
0: that only respect. An age. Only in age.
1: We get it. You worked at Grantland, okay? We're See, I, you're a sports. It's guy. funny.
0: I dis- I disagree. With, well, that'll disagree with you, obviously. I, I mean, I, I think that to me, I don't want to read a 22 year old music critic because they don't have the life experience to give me anything that's going to that's going to affect me. I don't think
1: you would if you're 22, though. Yeah, and that's who does a lot of this reading. Maybe. No, I think you make a good point, and I think uh, you have
2: to know who your audience is. It's true for everybody that uh, I I mean one thing that I'm always very conscious of as I get older is that I I think my, my biggest fear is I don't want to be like the older guy who is like the Steve Bashemi Gif you know holding the skateboard like you know like of I'm, course like hey kids i'm like one of you I'm, I'm gonna pretend to know as much about
1: hello fellow black midi fans <laughs> how are we this evening <laughs> i too enjoy their their brand of yeah oh, have Georgia. you guys
0: heard this pink Pantheress? I really think this rocks <laughs>
1: right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, things like that. I Because
2: mean, Black Middy, I think, is more of like a middle-aged guy type band. I think if you look in their audience, it's like sure. 47-year-olds drinking craft beers probably at their at their shows. I,
1: I could tell that one struck a nor- uh, a little bit of a nerve <laughs> with you, Stephen. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm- They're actually a pretty smart fan base, and, and some of the local craft IPAs <laughs> will surprise you. They're not actually as hoppy as they say they are. Now, I have to say, I-, I have terrible taste in beer. I-, 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 I don't think you do. You're from Wisconsin? Right, you you know beer more. Yeah, than but that's
2: rep. what I mean. Okay, what's the shit beer that you drink? Well, it'd be like you know, like Miller Light and Jim Beam. You know, like would be like my. No, that makes you that makes you
0: cool. That makes you cool because liking beers that look like the cans look like Grateful Dead art is not <laughs> is is the is the most deeply uncool thing you can do.
1: Having having some Beam, yeah, and a Miller or a, or a Coors Banquet or whatever. You know, that's cool.
0: You're just kind of a working class vibe music critic. That's true. That's true.
1: Can I take a look at your soju tasting menu? You're not doing <laughs> that fucking
3: pussy ass You're shit.
0: not doing it, yeah. That's just the- You're a cold-blooded yeah, American. Yeah, that's, just, that's just for pussies. I'm going to drink my Jim Beam and write f- 10,000 words on Radiohead. I'm a real man. Let me exactly. show you guys. Exactly. Let me show you guys what this looks like.
1: That's <laughs> exactly right. I do not want a spicy mezcal margarita.
0: <laughs> the Midwest does, though. I mean, I think that... We we kind of glaze over the, the, the. You guys have given us so much great music.
1: Well, great is a strong word. No,
0: it's not. Steve, tell, inform my little buddy here.
1: No, you know, I'm sorry. Chris is actually a huge Prince fan, so you're right. Well, yeah. Well, obviously Prince is the
2: big one from Minneapolis, but. I mean, I feel like when we talk about great music from Minneapolis, we're really talking about the late 20th century, probably more than so. I guess Lizzo's from here, so she would be a breakout. I don't know if
0: she's great though.
2: <laughs> uh, Lizzo's yeah.
0: Lizzo's from Minnesota. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> oh,
2: no. I don't know if she's from here. I think she like made her name here.
0: That's like how Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta. We take credit for John Mayer for the same reason. Like he made his. He's from <laughs> Connecticut, but he made his name in in Atlanta. How
1: many chicks did he fuck in Atlanta?
2: To, to <laughs> I mean,
0: countless. For sure, but that's that's be-
2: speaking of the Grateful Dead too. By the way, John Mayer, I uh, I finally saw Dead and Company. With John Mayer uh, at Wrigley Field, now
0: you're showing your age. Now you're showing your age a little no, bit. But go ahead. Well,
2: Johnny Mayer though, he's bringing in the kids. There are a lot of like young pups at that show, and I think it's because of John Mayer. I mean, it, it is. I think still a little
1: underrated. Not a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, I think it is. The dead
1: is having a young person's revival thanks to the clothing brand, online ceramics, and et cetera.
0: <laughs> thanks to thanks to the magazine, Gentleman's Quarterly, and online ceramics.
1: Yeah, GQ. Those guys are constantly pushing the fucking Grateful Dead agenda. Just another reason to unsubscribe. The the (laughs) editor there, I think his name's Will Welch. is a big... Yeah, yeah. No, no. uh, We're joking. Will's a good friend of ours, and he's been on the show before a couple times. And I've
0: made fun of him for this constantly, but I do think that The Grateful Dead... I just find it completely unlistenable, but the iconography is probably the best of all time. So it's a very tough thing.
1: Well, I
2: don't know. Not to if i may plug my own podcast on this show i'm i'm
1: the co-host of a grateful dead podcast all right we got a little commercial break we'll be back in a flash no please Steve Hyde, and we'll see what he has to say about the new the new lizzo video after
0: this plug your competing podcast on our podcast go right ahead
1: in indycast baby well it's indycast but i also
2: host this other show called 36 from the vault with my friend rob mitchum where we listen to all the dicks Picks volumes you guys familiar with dicks Picks? not the uh not the photos of uh you know of my penis of penises <laughs> but like the the
1: archival series put up by the grateful dead are you guys familiar with this no no i'm familiar with the 36 chamber because <laughs> um, i know eddie wong but you're saying this is something different yeah
2: well because the grateful dead uh from the early 90s until like the mid-2000s they put up this series of archival live albums called
0: okay, okay. dick's
2: picks it, it's named after this guy dick latvala who was their archivist he was, he was an archivist. He, his, he was basically this guy that lived in Hawaii. They let Dick choose the songs. They let him choose the shows because he was a tape collector. He lived in Hawaii. He'd smoke weed all day and listen to the Grateful Dead.
1: Hey man. Every good, every good artist needs an editor. And unfortunately it was Dick for these guys. Well,
2: right? he was more of like a uh, repackager or he was a curator really because he would pick his favorite shows and they would release them in this series. Selector. A selector. Exactly. So Rob and I have been listening to every album in the series and we're up uh, we're off season right now, but we've listened to 27 of 36 so far.
0: Okay, Steve, how much weed are you smoking after the kids go to bed? Cause this would, I mean, <laughs> bro, you better have a fucking big old bubbler down the basement to do this. You can't be doing this sober.
1: And this is a podcast and an activity that you do electively. You're oh. doing- or is there, is there some type of government mandate program? <laughs> that you have to well, do let, let's talk about this because <laughs> I was actually anticipating talking
2: about Radiohead, but it's, I'd actually rather talk about the dead. I think,
1: well, we're going to get into some head don't worry (laughs) at some point in this podcast i'm going to say steve give me some head and then you're going to know what time it is because you because you both hate radiohead too right no 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 one of you likes radiohead
0: jason loves radiohead i think they peaked at the bins that that's our stance on that's our collective stance on radiohead chris
1: is the chris is the classic straw man anti-bleep bloop argument (laughs) and you know jangly white people guitar is better Whereas you know he his third eye is not as open as ours, Stephen but we'll uh, we'll okay. put a pin in that and we'll do a little dead chat
0: first.
2: How much dead have you two listened to? like what are you basing your judgments on Instagram? I'm
0: basing it I'm I'm ba- yeah I'm basing it on the people who eat acid grilled cheese and talk about it. Um, no, I I have listened to some. I don't. I, it just doesn't do it for me. It, there's not enough choruses, you know.
1: I saw I saw the Touch of Grey video on MTV when I was a little kid, and that was about it. I kind of liked that song actually. That's a really good song. They've got songs.
0: They've got songs. No question. Oh,
1: Chris is backpedaling once again.
0: No, no, they do. I mean, you put out a you put out a hundred thousand songs. You're gonna have three or four that are good.
1: Broken clock is right twice a day, huh?
2: They don't have a hundred thousand songs. They just play the same, say like 150 <laughs> songs for like a really. A long time you know that's so true. that's true I mean, you can play dark star for 45 minutes and that's a set for most bands um but i mean look <laughs> this is the standard talking line that deadhead's always used when they're trying to hook people in yeah you know, but like if you listen to like american beauty you know albums like that like you know, like ripple and uh friend of the devil things like that which are just great kind of american folk songs i mean those seem like pretty likable to anybody to me okay i can get that like in the, I no, I, I the believe, jams no i believe no i believe
0: obviously anything that's that popular it there's a lot of merit to it i'm not like a, I, I, I totally understand that there's it's impossible for something like that you know there's things that are very popular that i don't like but i recognize they're popular because there there's talent there there's something good there it just isn't fr- like lizzo yeah exactly like yeah <laughs> i don't ever want to hear or see something funny about that's going <laughs>
1: no i was just gonna say
2: I was just gonna say that I love Lizzo's 45 uh, minute Dark Star. I think she really jams. It <laughs> she out. Ja- That's I'd incredible. I,
1: not a lot of people can kind of do it justice
2: the way she. does Yeah, I don't really like the pop stuff. I like it when she jams out, like live. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that, that, yeah, that,
0: yeah.
1: I kind of a new set of eyes is what I look at her. With. It's, it's, if you haven't, surface. if you
0: haven't heard the DAT recording of Lizzo's 30 minute <laughs> flute solo, then you're not really living.
1: I got it on mini disc straight from the board, bro. <laughs> it's yeah. not.
0: But no, I, I could, I could probably. It's also one of those things where, and I've learned this with Jason because Jason is, is uh, uh, more into electronic music than me, whereas when somebody knows you, they can play you something and you're like, oh, this is pretty cool. I like this. And I would have never found this myself, which I feel like is also a Grateful Dead kind of thing where if somebody put together the right set for me, I'd probably be like, yeah, this is pretty good. Like I don't need to bang this in the truck but like I like I understand why this was this was good
1: Chris Black this is your Grateful Dead and then someone hands you exactly a I think
0: I think this. it's with anything check it out on Spotify with anything that's challenging I think that can be very helpful when you have a friend who's like an expert you know
2: and I would say too that if you're into electronic music the experience of seeing the dead live I don't think is dissimilar to seeing a DJ where mm. it, it's about the experience and it's about there we go
1: there we just go.
2: really long pieces of music
1: collective energy exactly between a mass of people as well as potential drug use. Exactly. I mean I will the thing
2: I'll say too about deadheads is that you know I've been to all kinds of shows a lot of indie rock shows uh, of course. And there we go. I think and I think I think I think deadheads are actually like more attentive to the music than like most concerts I go to. You know, you have you you definitely have like what they call the chompers, you know, people who just talk throughout the entire show because they're so That's me. So blitzed. Chompers.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't know there I didn't know there was a big meth user contingent at the Dead Shows, but I get it now.
2: Yeah, it's not it's not so much like the, you know, grinding teeth, it's more of like you just won't <laughs> shut up because the you're,
1: gums are flapping. So are they talking about just any old thing or are they talking about how awesome this song is right now?
2: It might just be any old thing really. I mean, it, because again, like if you're really drunk or you're stoned or something or you're you've got some coke going on in the system, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, tends to loosen up the gums and people start talking and that can be irritating. But as i was saying i think that you know sort of going against the stereotype that those audiences to me are more clued into the music than a lot of audiences that i'm in yeah
0: i would i would that sounds reasonable to me yeah, i mean
2: makes sense i want to go back to the john mayer thing i don't know how you two feel about john mayer but i this chapter for the grateful dead is so fascinating to me and the fact that he did this after His run of really bad publicity in the early 2010s, which I don't think people remember now. Like that playbook. Well, no, I mean,
0: no, the David Duke dick thing is not quickly forgotten, but you know. What was
1: the. uh, uh, (laughs) Being honest here, I don't remember any of this bad press. What happened?
0: He said that his, his dick was like David Duke, it only liked white chicks basically oh is what he said which i think he thought was like a very clever reference this Did, is your
1: boy chris
2: i think hey I said,
0: chill 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 i
2: think he said i have a white supremacist dick and a benetton heart i think was the <laughs> line
1: it was a simpler time 2010 you have to understand
0: steve i love john mayer i love his solo music i think that
1: i do too now i see why you guys like the him. queen
0: of california era i think oh is hell v- yeah very very good and kind of like went came and went and people don't care but uh I, I, I just think that he's. It, it's hard, I think, when you get to be so famous that the music almost doesn't matter anymore. Does, does that make sense? It's like.
2: Oh, totally. That,
0: like that last record's kind of a stinker, you know, but there's like two or three songs on it that are good, but it, it doesn't.
2: So that's like the Harry Styles syndrome. I kind of like that record. I had Sabrock. I, I was into that record because the thing with John Mayer is, you know, for a long time, I just dismissed them out of hand. And then I did this of course. I did this thought experiment with with myself where I thought, well, what if there was a a pop friendly blues guitarist in the eighties who made a bunch of records that were successful that kind of sounded like a cross of dire straits and Phil Collins. Yeah. Well, but even like his two thousands records Kind of sound like that. I mean, if you if you listen to uh like uh like Continuum or mm-hmm. uh heavier things, like those are pretty yeah. like kind of eighties blues pop, like Dire Straits meets Phil Collins type records. We
0: love we love Dire Straits here at How Long? Me Gone. too. We love Dire Straits. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I speak for us both when I say that.
1: <laughs> I'm more so, of a Huey Lewis guy, but yeah, it's cool. I so I came around on
2: him after do, I was like, oh, this is just stupid. I like I'm just dismissing this guy because I'm reading too much into the media caricature
0: i just think that it's if i were in his position i would have done a lot of the same things i mean that he's he's probably one of the most legendary stickmen of our time like his <laughs> his his celebrity female like body count is unbelievable right you know it's it's truly legendary and i think that like only matched by pete
1: davidson now i would say
0: yes yeah, it's, li- it's literally pete davidson's coming for his fucking neck but the only like you kind of—I don't know—if you're John Mayer, you have to do that, and there's obviously going to be some mistakes made and some blowback made. But he's kind of—I think he's won people back over, and I think the dead choice helped him do that.
2: Like I went to those shows with my friend Rob, who I do the podcast with, and he—he's less amenable to Mayer. But after seeing those shows, even he had to give it up. Yeah. To John, mm-hmm. and he, he does a good job with that. He, he's got the Jerry tone. Like down, Jerrytown. Like the uh, the surviving members, man. Like they're they're getting pretty high up there in the age count. John does kind of push them forward.
1: It's kind of like uh, when you have an old dog <laughs> that's maybe got another year or two in it, and you get a new puppy, mm-hmm. you squeeze a couple extra miles out of it, a little bit like that. <laughs> Sounds mm-hmm. like it. But it, but instead of it being a young puppy, it's a guy who. Said some racist stuff 12 years ago that we're hoping we we'll all forget. <laughs> hoping we we'll all forget. But what is the? Uh, I saw
0: that. I saw that you just talked to uh, Lindsey Buckingham. Yes, I love Fleetwood Mac, of course, like anybody else that has a brain. And I'm more of a Stevie Nicks head, of course, like anybody else that has a brain. Slow down. You know, when you interview guys like that, like, is it? I don't know. I mean, it's just like that guy's been doing press for literally 50 years. Right. So it's it's like, is it? Do you feel these guys check out or or do you, or do you have your little methods to keep them locked into the conversation?
2: I think in my case what worked to my advantage is that I was just focused on his music. Like the interview that I did, we talked about 10 albums from throughout his career. So we were talking about obviously rumors which he's talked about a bunch. Although I think he said some new things. He also said some things that I've heard him say elsewhere. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I think when you're talking about an album like Rumors that he's been probably asked about in every single interview, it's going to be hard to come up with something fresh. But we also talked about a lot of
1: things that he probably doesn't get asked about a lot. What's an example of something he might not get asked about? Well, just like
2: a lot of his solo records in the 80s and like, you know, like a record like Go Insane from 1984, which is just a that is an insane album. I mean, it's just him playing with like early synthesizers and making really long convoluted songs and i mean it's a
1: pretty wild record like it was that before or after paul mccartney was doing that
2: uh it it would have been around the same time probably like a little bit after mccartney too but a little sparksy yeah exactly
0: have you talked to mccartney no
2: i haven't i would love to talk to mccartney obviously Uh, anyone would you guys probably want to talk to mccartney right or or no oh yeah
0: yeah i mean i think that it's um He's—I don't know—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm obviously a George Harrison guy because he made the best music. I think
1: Paul's not our favorite Beatle, but out of the guys who are alive,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's—he's he's gonna be number one. But I saw him—you know—he did that Mark Ronson Apple TV show, yeah, and he was great and like really. But I, again, I think it's like I think you're right, especially with the Lindsey Buckingham example, like. If you're not I mean, when you start asking these guys about their personal lives, I think that's when things change. But for me that's when things are most interesting. So it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a a tough a tough thing. But like when Rodson's talking to him about musical instruments, the guy lights up like a fucking Christmas tree and is having like the best time.
1: Instead of like what did I have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: it's a little it's a little more
2: interesting. That's so it, interesting, Paul. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like any conversation where if you talk to someone and they feel like you're listening to them and you're engaged, sure. Then, then they're more likely to open up. And I think sometimes asking them something that they haven't been asked about before can be a way to get them to soften up about other things that like if you want to delve more into the personal life. I just felt like he just had this recent press run where he was talking about stevie nicks a bunch and there was that quote where he said that she's mad at him because she hasn't had a kid which was like just a kind of an awful thing to say. I mean, that's was like really below the belt. God
1: damn it. Really? Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> These guys are still doing shit like that. Oh yeah, bro. Cocaine is a hell of a drug, Steven. You understand. Yes, that. it
2: is. It, but look at all the great art it's created. You know,
1: it's, oh, it, I know. it's the trade off. Um, but at what cost? Just kidding.
0: I don't care. <laughs> I didn't get hooked on the shit. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's true though. There's the, every record I like was made on cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> from, from the, you know, from Fleetwood Mac to the Libertines to Oasis to, who knows, man? I mean, probably countless. I don't even know about, you know what I mean? I, I'm sure Mariah Carey was doing Coke. You know, it's like <laughs> mm-hmm. you can't, you, you can't, you can't rule it out.
1: Whitney Houston, she's got a good tune in her. Oh man. I
0: like the pettiness though. I think it keeps Fleetwood Mac fresh,
1: right? I, yeah. It, well, it show I mean, I remember I saw Lindsey
2: Buckingham. He did this tour 10 years ago where it was just him and he had like a drum machine with him. So it wasn't even a band and he was playing all these like really weird venues like off the beaten path like i saw him he opened for black midi well <laughs> i think black midi was like six years old at a squat in baltimore <laughs> oh that would have been amazing this is Lindsay's
1: new noise project <laughs> yeah, he, he played
2: a show at my sister's high school
1: <laughs> what? like what outside of
2: milwaukee i mean it was a performing arts center but it was still it's like where I went to go see my sister's high school plays, and then here's Lindsey Buckingham playing Go Your Own Way.
1: So, yeah, Lindsay calls his booking agent, like, how's the new tour going? And he's like, well, you know, this new tour with just you and a drum machine, we're not getting the same arenas riding us back. We do have a high school in Wisconsin who seems very interested.
0: <laughs> They're very interested. Well,
2: and he killed it, too. And I and – I, I mean, the fact is, is that he could have just done another Fleetwood Mac tour at that same time and made a gajillion dollars. But I think mm-hmm. there was something about him when he was in that band that he would alternate doing multi-million dollar tours and these more sort of guerrilla tours on the side. One for you, one for them. But he would he would play "Go Your Own Way," and I don't know. You know, he's a great performer, so maybe he's just faking it. But he sings with such intensity that it seemed like, like wow, this this guy's still mad at Stevie Nicks like he's still fuming about this it just, <laughs> it just felt like that like you know, the wounds are still very open yeah maybe he's faking it i don't know but it felt real
1: yeah but what's worse are you are you like that much of a sociopath that you're able to fool us with this emotion or are you like a 70 year old man who still holds a grudge with your other multi-millionaire bandmate exactly i mean what's worse
0: but see that's the problem i think when you get that rich you have nothing else to focus on that's the issue like when you're young and hungry at least you can all you're worried about is money but you know now it's like all these guys all these guys have to do is be petty there's nothing else going on
2: and again this was something i was trying to get to when i was talking to him just what is it like to create something as popular as rumors still like 45 years after the fact you know because there's very few people that have made an album that successful that is so ubiquitous you know I, i can't imagine what it's like to have something you did that long ago still trailing you all these
1: years later. Mm. And to still be alive, you know, like, yeah, or not in jail. You know, we got, oh, we got R Kelly behind bars. We got Michael Jackson <laughs> six feet deep. You, you can't ask any of these people that question anymore.
0: I feel like most people in his position, obviously are like, you know, this changed my life. It's the greatest you to have for me, but they—they they also like kind of hate it. Well, because no one has ever really given a shit about anything else he's ever done is the reality.
2: But I mean, the thing with Mac has had other big records, though. I mean, they have-
0: yeah, no, of course, of course, of course. But you, you know what I'm saying.
2: Well, what he told me, you know, because Tusk is the next record after Rumors, and that was like the reaction to Rumors. It was like him just going crazy in the studio, doing tons of blow and being really experimental. And I think so. I think in the short term, he probably resented it, but. He was saying that, you know, like 20 years later, you look out and there's like three different generations of people in the audience. I think at some point you just start to feel like, wow, my art has survived this long, which is kind of like what everyone wants. So it seems like he's kind of come up the other side with that, would be my guess. But, you know, I can't claim to totally know Lindsey Buckingham's soul from a one-hour phone conversation. But having said <laughs> that, I will say that he loves it. I will, I will declare... That he loves it now; uh, he's gotten over any kind of resentment.
0: Yeah, I think I think as you, I think once you get to a certain age, you understand it because you have so much perspective. Because it's been a long time, you know. I think it's it's the the immediate is when you struggle with it the most, probably the immediate aftermath. And like he
2: had a heart attack like a year ago; he had like bypass surgery, so I'm sure that has totally.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, he's look. The coke has changed. You know what I mean? He can't do. <laughs> he can't really do as much as he used to, and he you know he found out the hard way. That's well, Chris, like you know me.
1: who isn't petty and and having heart attacks my good friend tom york and his other his other cronies let's get into it buddy it's true <laughs> that's a great segue
0: yeah a great segue i mean look i i don't I, I don't even know what to say jason's had you know he's had one of those um Radiohead live experiences where he thought he was levitating, <laughs> you know, and and I try one. I tried to explain to him that that was the drugs, not necessarily the music. But he claimed that the mushrooms and ketamine had nothing to do with it.
2: Can I just say quick that Radiohead for the last ten years has toured with two drummers, which is a very jam band thing to do.
0: I well look, I'm a I'm a big double drums fan, but are you talking about? Real drummer plus auxiliary percussionist? Are you talking about two kits? No, they, they,
2: I, they've had like two kits on stage. Like I think since the, um, yeah, since like the
1: 2012 tour. Yeah, Chris, can your killers do that? Didn't think so.
0: Don't come for Ronnie like that, bro. Ronnie doesn't need help behind the kit. He's he's got it all taken care of.
1: And the music sounds really good too. <laughs> hey, I, I, do you like their record from this year?
0: Fuck yeah, bro. I'm a I'm a I'm a stan. I mean, the, the record the, the. You
1: guys like rock too much. <laughs>
0: No, I mean, I think that the. Ki- I've said this before. I said it on stage the other night. Jason is the killers of the- are the only like stadium rock band America has. Like they can really sell out like a, a stadium. That, but does that make them good? Yes, it does. I mean, no, their music makes them good. But Walmart. I'm saying- <laughs>
1: Walmart has the most retail business out of any. Is Walmart good? Do you like Walmart?
0: I, I personally don't, but I understand that I got, Walmart ha- has a place it. in society. Jason hates the kill. Jason hates The Killers but Jason loves Radiohead which says a lot about him actually. I don't
1: I don't hate The Killers. I like a couple Killer songs but you know, it's it's a product and not art to me. The way Radiohead might be the opposite of that.
2: I really feel like The Killers came back from the dead because it seemed like they were falling apart and then their last two records I think have been like really
1: strong the power of mormonism is fueling them yes
0: exactly that's god that's god's love it delivers
1: they're definitely the best mormon band i'll give them that
3: <laughs> oh yeah
1: i'm trying to think of like other mormon bands well there's a there's your new book bro <laughs>
0: There you go. Yeah, the- <laughs>
1: not getting a ton of emails back on the pitch, but you know right. we're not going to give up. We'll find the right house for it. Can you do me a favor and edit
2: out that part because I don't want other people stealing the Mormon Rock idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, no problem. The the Music and Mormonism book. We'll we'll let you have that you one. Just but did you just dropped a
1: diamond on the ground. You better hurry up and pick it
0: up. No, no, I'm saying, were you that crazy about Radiohead before? Or do you think there's just a book in here? You know what I mean? Was it was it were you a super fan or was it also just like I think this could be a book?
2: When you say super fan with Radiohead, you have to be careful because there are legit like, Mm -hmm. psychotic Radiohead fans. And I don't know if I'm quite on that level, but, you know, they're a band that I've followed from the beginning of their career. I remember when Creep was in the MTV buzz bin, and, you know, I bought all the records. Now we're we're
0: talking. Now we're talking. I thought
1: you said from the beginning, bro. That was like... There's like so many demos before that, you okay. fucking faker. All right, dude. Yeah, I didn't. I I'm, was, I, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I did not. I, I was not like attending crazy. on a Friday gigs
2: uh, in the late 80s. So, <laughs> there no. We go, so, there yeah. We go. So, you're right. I was more, you know, in the public facing. Well, just them being. And that's the funny thing about Radiohead. And maybe this will speak to Chris's criticisms of the band, because I think a big misconception with Radiohead is that they're this sort of like brainy, you know, intellectual, esoteric rock band and that Mm -hmm. they don't just deliver fun rock songs and really if you look at the early part of their career they were like the opposite of that like pablo honey Mm. was basically considered like a alt-rock ripoff you know that this was like a british band Mm -hmm. trying to sound like the pixies it really wasn't until the bends that they started getting a little more critical acclaim although if you read like the rolling stone review of the bends or the spin review of the bends they're just making like one-hit wonder jokes At Radiohead's expense, you know, like tying them to bands like, you know, the Spin Doctors and, uh, you know, (laughs) all the other kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. they're here one minute and gone the next alt rock bands of the early 90s. Uh, And I think people forget that it really was like Kid A that changed, I think, the perception of that band. Uh, Because before that, I think of Radiohead really like in the 90s being this like hyper emotional band that with like you know like fake plastic trees or yeah you know like let down like songs that just build to like big crescendos. Great songs. And and Tom York singing in falsetto and you know big rock moments and not the bleep bloop thing that (laughs) you were talking about earlier.
1: it, It was like uh if explosions in the sky had some pussy ass vocals on it was like this very like emotional, melodramatic crescendo type shit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's just funny how that gets forgotten now that again people are like, oh this is yeah, it's too esoteric for me i can't understand it you need a college degree to understand radiohead like uh, you hear that all the time well
0: that's why it's so interesting that jason likes him so much because he he didn't even get one semester at orange county community so i, I don't <laughs> i don't know how he processes this stuff really
1: i took courses with Radiohead. That's how I learned so many of these big words, man.
0: Oh, I understand. You were studying Tom's lyrics.
1: The liner notes. That, those were my textbooks, Chris. Tom York U T Y U. Yeah. Get in there. <laughs> yeah, I went I'm a York boy. <laughs> yeah, well the same thing happened to me with Kid A. Like my brother was super into Radiohead from from the beginning as well. Pablo Honey the band's OK Computer and then I was really into like hardcore and punk and metal at that time and I was like, "Bro, I can't listen to this stuff. Like what the fuck are you doing?" And then Kid A came out right around 9-11 when I kind of switched some things up in my life and started drinking and doing drugs and exploring the world. And then that was like a big moment for me. And then once I fell in love with Kid A, then I was able to go back and be like, oh, I understand. Okay, computer now. That's an interesting trajectory. Because you're saying Kid A was your entry point. Well, it wasn't my entry point. I had I had listened to all of the songs and I was familiar with Radiohead. I knew you know Creep. I was on the radio in in L.A. on K Rock every five seconds. And OK Computer was a huge album, and they would play all their videos on on MTV. And I didn't hate it. I was just like, oh, it's a cool song, whatever. You know, animation. It's it's cool and it was it just was kind of in the middle for me it never clicked and then once i really spent time with kid a that was just like the one that kind of opened opened up the wound and allowed me to really kind of appreciate them and their back catalog even though i don't really like pablo honey that much and i like some songs from the bends but it's okay computer forward for me <laughs> because i'm a bleep blooper uh, yeah the the bleep bloop era and i got a chaos pad tatted right above my dick you understand me <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't know how deep he is in this shit bro Everything in its right place, literally right there. Um, so <laughs> Ooh, uh, that's what I say about a fit bird, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think you know,
2: like when I was uh thinking about this book and you know before I pitched it, I was looking ahead to the year twenty twenty and thinking like, wow, we're twenty years now into the twenty first century. Like what is the art that when I look back on the last twenty years that stands out to me is that you could even say is like emblematic of the mood of like the last 20 years mm-hmm. and kid a kid a was the one that jumped out at me. And, you know, it does seem like one of those albums that even if you don't like the record, I think there's so few albums that kind of exist as milestones now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's one of them, you know, that th- in the same way that like Sgt Pepper is in this, in the sixties or something, or thriller is in the eighties. Um, you know, I guess, if we're looking at the last 20 years, I mean, there's Kid A, and I feel like there's, like a, there's a couple Kanye records that you could say that about. I mean, but there's not...
0: God damn there's it.
2: There's not a... To- well, you're right, Don't though. you think? I mean, I feel like... No, you're right. From, like, College Dropout to Yeezus, I almost feel like every album in some way is... It feels like a milestone. I guess some people would, would put Life of Pablo in there. I feel like Yeezus is the end of his great period.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't really care about him the way that other people do. I mean, I think most of my friends, especially people that make music, consider, you know, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy to be the the peak. Right. Like, that's where, that's where it's truly the best, which I think it's, like, fine. But I, I've never put that on. I've like never listened to that by choice, yeah, you know what I mean? like when it came out, you listened to it, but I, I don't go back to that, which to me is like the marker of success for me personally.
2: I love the singles from that album, but like when you listen to it as an album, there's so many skits on there that I think it it kills it a little bit. I'm not as as into the skits, but like you know, like all the lights and power and songs like that they crush. yeah,
0: you can't really fuck with that. you can't really fuck with it. It's actually sad to watch how bad the music has gotten. I mean, when you think about that, it's like the music is really just, it's like completely not the focus at this stage.
2: It started with the fashion thing, like when he got really into being a fashion designer. And I felt like that was the beginning of him not caring about music yeah. as much. No,
0: because he's hes not good at that, but he's good at music. Right. And unfor- unfortunately, he's been able to, people have fooled him into thinking he's good at that. And there's a lot of money there, much more than music, I would say, at this stage for him. I mean, the sneakers alone... You know, he's making, I mean, there's nothing that can compare to that. Maybe touring, you know what I mean? But like, there's much less expense, you know, whereas touring costs a lot of money.
2: Like with Kanye, what's interesting is that I feel like the music press, after, you know, 10 plus years of just obsessing over everything he did, has now just written him off now. But he still has a huge audience. Like, there's there's still a ton of people out there. Yeah, and it just shows how, you know, and I always think about this because I'm in that world but how distorting the music like media world can be sometimes in terms well, of yeah,
0: you guys you guys make shit up. You guys make shit popular that isn't actually popular and vice versa. You know, you know what I mean? Like I think not actually popular, but I mean I think that like I'll see s- that people gush over something, you know what I mean, in in the media and then I'm listening to it and I'm like this is fucking mid, but for some reason all the critics seem yeah, to Yeah, like con- Drake. No, not Drake. No, he's the, he's the best thing that's ever happened to music um but i, I think <laughs> is there like an example for you that's
2: like really egregious of that like recently I, I don't know if you want to call anyone out or not once drake
1: starts making music i'll check it out chris
0: well the opposite of that example is is big thief like i think big Thief's about as good as it's going to get new york times won't touch it they hate it
1: right Th- that is interesting like they they have like
2: a big anti-big thief
0: but they'll talk about you know they'll talk about you know bbd boop or whatever you know what i mean (laughs) like being like life-changing and i'm like bro are you guys kidding i mean i get that maybe it's more culturally interesting to them you know what i mean as far as like this is going to be a better story to write but like that come on you you know what i mean like big thief is obviously like a big thing that is happening I, i just don't I think it's more... Or
1: the Times will like, write about our podcast when
0: they shouldn't have,
3: probably. <laughs> exactly. You know You're I mean?
1: biting the hand that feeds here by taking a shot at <laughs> the New York Times. Have you ever read that book, The Mystery Method? That's sort <laughs> of what we do. <laughs> the art of negging. I was going to say, this is very... Yeah, exactly.
0: But I think that one of my favorite examples of this is, is Mac Miller. Like, I I don't think anybody anybody cared about Mac Miller, and then Mac Miller dies, and he's a critical darling. It's, like, insane.
2: It's hard for me to judge that because I feel like his audience is so young, and I don't know if I'm just disconnected from that. And maybe there was this groundswell—because I kind of know what you mean there, but— uh, he
1: obviously had an, obvi- an audience.
0: Of course, yeah, of course. That was sizable
1: uh, enough when he was
2: alive, but it, criti- it,
0: wasn't, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't critically acclaimed. Like Kurt Cobain, it wasn't to- critically acclaimed the way it is Right? Now. And, it, it, and, sure, sure. But I sure. think that I think that dying is the best thing you can do for your career. I mean, that's just n- number one. I mean, I, I don't think that like. Amy Winehouse is one of my favorite of all time. If Amy Winehouse would have continued to make records, they would have gotten worse. That's just what happens. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so it's, so it's like you tarnish, you know, you, you can't ever be what you are when you're 27 and you make your, the great, you know, arguably one of the greatest records of all time. It's like you're just not going to do that again. If you die at the peak of your career, you're going to be considered a legend almost automatically.
1: And dying is the only one, is the only way you can really do that. I mean, who, who's been able to sort of make that perfect record? and then bow out gracefully before they start producing shit.
2: I made this point once, and it's no longer true, but like, I felt like for a long time, for about 10 years, Dave Chappelle had the benefit of (laughs) dying without actually dying Mm. because he left the Chappelle show, and he disappeared, and he was very iconic for that reason. And it was like he still got to live even though it felt like he died.
0: No, that. that's actually that's a good that's a good I think that's a good example. That is a of good that.
2: example or at least I guess it was. Yeah, but then he's come back and it's totally different now. So it's not really true. You know, I it, this is an interesting conversation because uh I'm in Thank you. I'm in, I'm in the closing stage. Yes, mm-hmm. I just wanted to compliment you guys. <laughs> some other parts of our conversation weren't that good that's why I didn't say anything I just like, wanted to say this was interesting um, that's fair I'm brave you know well I am a critic I feel like I should be doing a running commentary on that's uh, true. this conversation uh, but no I'm, I'm in the I'm <laughs> in the closing stages of writing a book right now a book of essays about Pearl Jam shit and one of the things that I talk about in that book is that they were one of the few bands of their you know sort of scene to survive like almost every other band died or imploded. And and like a lot of the front men from Seattle... Either literally passed away or... The yeah, well, died. you know, like of the big four Seattle bands, like mm-hmm. three of the front men have now passed away. And so one of the themes of the book is like, how did this band survive when all these other bands didn't? And what is the cost of surviving versus dying young? Mm-hmm. And it is an interesting conversation because you are right that if you die young, it gives your career in your life a narrative and it gives it an arc that for critics or writers or whoever it's easy to romanticize that but of course the downside of it is that you're dead which is not a very good thing <laughs> to be
0: so when you so, think about it it's actually kind of <laughs> shitty really but at least your <laughs> right. at least your mom and dad are going to make a lot of money on your spotify streaming and
1: that depends on how much you care about being alive, i guess
2: yeah exactly and yeah, exactly, and uh certainly uh some of the peers of like eddie Vetter made the you know, they made the estimation that being alive is maybe not as good as surviving cornell
1: allison chains there's another one too a, a, a guy named kurt cobain uh, <laughs> yeah, died yeah,
2: of course a, cobain. in the 90s well that wasn't his fault that wasn't his fault well that's course. true that's true we're, we're waiting for the investigation to yeah uh,
0: we're waiting yeah. On that.
2: i'm on it i'm on jason's
0: it. working hard on that in his free time watch
2: this space check out my reddit <laughs> like scott wyland though died he wasn't that's not a seattle band but you know he passed away um I was an stp head and you know pearl jam they're in this interesting space where they can play stadium still but like they also you know don't have a great cachet necessarily with the younger generations no it's like it's
0: insane what they've become it's insane that they've they're one of the biggest bands in the world they have all those they're
1: they're, they're grateful deading they're deading. Yeah.
0: they are deading and it's working and like i don't know anybody who participates in that right i mean i do think that pearl Jam. though i mean you know i, I don't listen to those records either but they had Five or six just monsters that, that like in our era, I mean, we're in unavoidable. And I would honestly, I'd rather listen to Pearl Jam than Nirvana, probably, if I'm being keeping it 100.
2: Well, then you will want to read my book that comes out in a year. <laughs> if I can plug that a Are year earlier. you early.
0: serious, Chris? Bro, Nirvana is, is, I don't think about Nirvana. I think that, Holy shit. I, I don't care. I mean, I think Jeremy, I think even, even, what's the song from Vitology? Better Man? Better Man's, yeah. I would say Better Man's up there with any Nirvana song. No question.
2: Getting back to the thing about, like, it's good for your career if you if you die young. In a way, with Nirvana, I mean, obviously, they're, they're an iconic band, and they are a band, unlike Pearl Jam, I think, that, like, younger generations tend to get into, you know, more readily. But, like, the downside of it is that there's so much baggage now with the Nirvana records that... You can't just listen to them as great rock music. That I think you you have to almost kind of get You you have to get past all the retrospectives Mm -hmm. and documentaries and like all the like. You know that Kurt Cobain takes his life, so it's like every song you listen to, you're like looking for clues. Yeah, like like why did he do this? And why did Courtney do this? You said that not me. I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not crossing Courtney Love at
0: all. I, I look I'm a c cor- <laughs> I am I would also rather listen to Hole than Nirvana. And I've said that many times. Uh you know, All right oh, yeah. Stephen,
1: it was great talking, to you. <laughs> it's been a treat. Check out his new book, My
0: <laughs> I because I'm reading Dan Ozzy's book right now, um, sellout, and I think that it's um The amount, like what Nirvana did to the music business to me is almost more interesting than the music itself. Yeah. Like how, like how they created a gold rush for that kind of music where bands that had no business getting deals were getting deals. And then that happened again based, you know, when, when the sound changed to like that emo kind of shit that Dan's book covers. It's like, I think Nirvana invented that though, like that kind of thing. Like, oh, you're from Seattle and you've made us this much money. Well, now Green Day is. I would, that.
1: I would argue that the Beatles maybe invented that first.
0: Yeah, 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 but I mean, in a, it's it's continued in a way that. And like,
1: actually, if we're going to keep it a, a buck, Mozart. <laughs>
0: you're saying Chico- you're saying Chico- you're saying you're you're saying tchaikovsky would have never gotten signed to matador without without I him mean, he
1: wouldn't have got that big of an advance <laughs> if we we're keeping it all the way
2: a band but you could say like tchaikovsky though he was working like with the major label producer it kind of sucked the soul <laughs> yeah, out of his music yeah. it's like when tchaikovsky was <laughs> when he was indie playing like the small you know orchestral venues before before tchaikovsky met
1: up with antonov <laughs> it was it was sounding better
2: yeah that that, <laughs> so, that
0: tchaikovsky that tchaikovsky and that tchaikovsky antonov record really was a dud i'm, I'm glad that i'm glad that you brought yeah. that up Jason.
1: <laughs> just the same chord changes it's like all right first first claro now tchaikovsky
2: yeah you just feel like oh teammate he teammate he tchaikovsky sound like
1: fun it's like, can we just <laughs> have him sound like
2: Tchaikovsky? We don't need uh-huh. this. I mean, I, I always wish that Tchaikovsky made a record with, with Rick Rubin. You know, <laughs> sure. strip it down. Yeah, of course. Play, like, on one violin. You know, a lot of mournful songs about uh. death.
0: Much much cooler of a choice. Yeah, we, we actually saw Antonoff in the airport yesterday and almost confronted him about ruining Claro's <laughs> career. But I decided I decided that we were tired from tour. Jason was like, not today, Chris. I don't want to have to back you up when... when
1: Chris almost threw threw a, a grande cup full of oat milk on him. There's two people th- I've seen. Mean,
0: two people I've seen. People I've I like seen. that. No, don't. I'm, don't, I'm, Steven.
1: <laughs> well, no, I'm just going to say that, like... He's like, I like that idea. Of
2: if, you're, if you're, you're going to throw him under the bus, I would say more for, like, the recent Lord record, which I thought was kind of an abomination. No,
0: he's, he's stinkers only. I mean, he's stinkers only. I, I don't even... <laughs> I don't understand, but I think that someone explained to me, a, a friend who's in the business was explaining to me that, like, a lot of these labels just... His name... Still means something to like the A and R guy, and that's why he's getting hired. Versus like the actual output of the work, you know. But at a certain point, these labels got to be like, this guy's only giving us stinkers. Like we can't just hi- we can't just keep hiring him when the output isn't selling. It doesn't make sense.
2: And it's all it's also become like a joke at this point that like any young female pop star is going to have Jack Antonoff like in the in the
1: liner notes and it kind of makes you wonder what Jack's up to in the studio late night you know what i'm mm. saying your words not mine steven but you know of course <laughs> <laughs> of course it's like you know when he's hot he's hot and you put it on there and everything he's doing is touching everything he's touching is turning to gold but at a certain point it's going to stop and then you're we're in that middle phase of like everything he's it stopped turning into gold and now it's turning into diarrhea but he might still have a little gold left in it. maybe it's a Oh he'll line. have it. Oh I mean I it's think all, that- it's just like investing in the stock market Chris.
0: Oh yeah I've heard about that but I think he's the guy I mean maybe you bring him to write a couple songs a la Taylor Swift but I don't know if you need to have him like all right we're moving into the studio for 3 months I'm going to do all this together like I'm all set.
1: So we're switching him from full time to permaland.
0: Yeah he's yeah he doesn't as get, a
1: probationary Yeah he, he's <laughs> I, I think the problem is that he's just on every record
2: you know just yeah. like, make like like one record i i i think that's where people have the pushback because it just makes everything sound similar and if he were because you know, like when he did uh the previous lord record melodrama with her and that's a great record i thought he did a really good job with that but mm-hmm. when it becomes this cliche that he's gonna just be on every album then it's like, okay, enough with the Jack Antonoff.
1: You can't do Lord, Saweetie, uh, Iron Maiden all <laughs> in the same month. The the product is going to become distilled and stepped on. Exactly, it's true.
0: I, it's true. I mean, he'll look. I mean, these guys all it all goes in phases. I mean, you know, he'll he'll have his his time again. And luckily for us, you know, whether you like the Claro or not, at least we have Bleachers to listen to. Jason's a big Bleachers guy, so it's it's been good you know to kind of put that on in in the tesla uh when we need our hit
1: what what's bleachers chris
0: um bleachers is the band you really like that's actually jack Antonoff's band i
2: can't tell if this is a bit or not do you actually like bleachers no they they suck i've never heard i've never
1: heard bleachers
2: well then i don't have to be respectful i was gonna bite my tongue because i was like i can't stand no they they suck
1: i mean we've been talking for an hour steven haven't you learned to not be respectful by now
0: (laughs) This podcast is all about well, disrespect to ourselves. We're Our- a
1: one-trick pony, and that's pretty much
0: <laughs> yeah. It. Look,
2: I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to be a good guest on your show. I want to be respectful. I'm like, oh, he loves
1: bleachers. I think they're terrible, but I'm not going to
0: say. No, it.
2: you're
1: sweet. You're sweet. You're sweet for saying that and for thinking that. But fret not. This is a bleacher-free zone. <laughs> but what you did what you did say about lizzo has kind of hurt my feelings we'll talk about that maybe offline yeah
0: i will take that we'll take that to email just so there's a record of it you know what i mean so we we all know what you and
1: that's to protect not only me but you as well uh,
0: yeah this this both sides both sides yeah
2: i just want to apologize for saying that lizzo lived in minnesota i know that was very hurtful uh very insulting i i take it back
0: trust me lizzo like a lot of great pop stars of our time is running from her past and i'm sure that on her wikipedia it says she's from la mm-hmm. um but you know you 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 know the truth and now we know the truth sometimes sorry isn't good enough steven
2: <laughs> i and i believe this is the case that she made a bunch of records when she was in minnesota and she had those taken off a line so then she could have her major label debut be her debut and then be uh, she could get a best new artist
1: Grammy. she was beasting in the underground and then there was some erasure of the older stuff. It happens all the time. Exactly. So I had some of my old podcasts scrubbed from the net for that very reason.
0: (laughs) Don't worry. We're actually doing that as well to make sure for, you know, how long gone for your consideration Mm -hmm. uh, billboards are going up for Grammy season. And we're also going to have to kind of, fudge the numbers a little bit like some of these big pop stars do
2: and it worked for you because now the new york times they think you're like hot young things with your show and they don't know about all the other podcasts all like the Mm -hmm. the wrecks on the side of the highway in your past Mm -hmm. they just think that you just came out of nowhere and you have this great show
0: jason's improved luckily as a podcaster and as a human being and that's like kind of why we do this
2: well i'll take your word for it unfortunately we can't (laughs) (laughs) we can't go back to the actual shows to uh to to verify this thank you thank you
0: to our friends (laughs) thank you for our friends at spotify for making it just so easy to scrub the internet of all your old podcasts check them check (laughs) a lot of
1: people don't talk about yeah they don't talk about all
0: all the features they offer on anchor.fm but uh Steven, we really appreciate you joining us today on How Long Gone. Um tell people about the books and, and they can see you at Uprocks just constantly churning out the snail mail reviews.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can read all my snail mail reviews, the my weekly snail mail reviews at Uprocks dot com.
1: <laughs> also, do you know do you know our boy Tom Krell over at Uprocks?
2: Uh, I know of him. Such a big company he, uh, he, okay, He's okay. in LA and I'm in the hinterlands of uh minnesota yeah
0: it's crazy it's crazy they give you a job that you can still stay there you know it's pretty nice of them this work remote thing got wi-fi over there
2: in in minnesota we're we're working on it we
1: got the i got got dial up last week (laughs) Uh, i'm loving
2: it i know
0: the the snow's gonna affect the speed so just it's
1: cool that your work hasn't suffered even though you have to write it at the library (laughs)
3: <laughs> there's, actually,
1: uh, there's actually
2: a there's actually a La Quinta Inn near my house, so I oh. I, 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 I can just hang out in their lobby, and uh, that's that's, that's nice. where I do most of my writing. It's in the business center. I bet
0: the coffee's pretty good too, so that's nice.
2: Yeah, I get the coffee that they dump out, so <laughs> yeah. it's a little a little cold, but yeah, it's not bad. Steve's here
1: for the dumpers again. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, so so you you have an old book about Radiohead, yeah, and you have a new book coming out. About Pearl Jam.
2: Yeah, they'll be out next year. Uh, there's no pre-sale information yet, so it's, it's worthless to be promoting that, that thing right now. Uh, but yeah, Radiohead, uh, it's called This Isn't Happening, came out last year, but it's still pertinent now. You can read it in 2021 and enjoy it. Uh, I've got a couple other books. You can just find me just google my name you will find other books
0: let's go i love when steven big dogs us he said google me bitch (laughs) he said i have a last name that has an h and a y together so you know you're gonna find me it's easy great seo great seo uh all right steven appreciate you joining us um you guys go check out his work it's excellent and um we'll talk to you soon
2: all right thanks again guys